Hello and thank you for joining us on Sideline Story, your destination for sports news, analysis and discussions. I'm your host, Brandon Yates, and I'm joined by my co-host, my trusty partner, Yang Guang. And we also have a very special guest with us today. We have Nick Tanabunchai from Thailand, and he is the sports editor of The Standard. Nick, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your presence here. We are going to get stuck into the Asian Games. Of course, it really has been an unbelievable spectacle. We've seen some really amazing triumphs, we've seen some disappointing losses, and we've seen a whole bunch of stories that I think we will also remember for some time to come. But Yang Guang, I'll start with you. I've already mentioned that the Asian Games will be remembered for quite some time, and I think particularly for the journalists and the athletes that are here participating, it's going to be very memorable. And I'm also sure just for the people of Hangzhou, it's going to be something that they also remember with fond fondness for quite some time because they've we've as we've seen they've clearly spent a lot of time preparing for this competition and um yeah i think everybody involved has put on a, a really great show and made everybody feel welcomed and it really has been a very enjoyable experience but from your side of things what do you think this particular asian games will be remembered for um well to me i will certainly remember the opening ceremony uh, when mm. the cauldron flame was ignited with the digital figure yeah, yeah. Um, that ran from downtown Hangzhou to the main stadium. It was classic. Uh, there were even real ripples on the river when the digital giant <laughs> ran onto it. When I was watching it on TV, I was like, how did it do it? It's really magical to me. There's clearly some secret tech here in <laughs> yeah. Hangzhou that we don't know about just yet. We might find out about it in 2050. Yeah, that was very <laughs> something in the river. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think the games will also be remembered um, for the beautiful venues uh, mm. Hangzhou prepared for the event. Um, I mean, I went. I went to a lot of. Um, venues. Yes, we um, have, and travel <laughs> great distances to get to those venues. <laughs> but usually worth the tr the, the distance, right? Yeah. yeah, I mean the previous editions of other games like the Bird's Nest, um, Wembley. But uh, when I stepped into the Big Lotus here mm. in Hangzhou um, for the athletics competitions, uh, I got goosebumps. Mm. Um, the atmosphere was so great. Um, I actually spoke to some athletes um, to ask what they think of the stadium. One Singaporean, a 110-meter hurdler, mm -hmm. said he, he felt it was the Olympics. I've got the same feeling, actually. Yeah, that world-class feeling, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think the new sports like breakdancing mm. um, has left their mark at the Asian Games. Hangzhou made a very good start of how these sports should be staged. Actually, I think Hangzhou has set the bar very high. Yeah, yeah. And it has produced a legacy or a model of the next Asian Games host, Nagoya, Japan. Take notes from. Yeah, mm. I think it was quite smart for the Asian Games organizers to, well, firstly, return to China, but, you know, secondly, to give it to a city that I guess is not very well known globally. Because I mm. think that Hangzhou probably took this opportunity to host a world-class event like the Asian Games, I wouldn't say more seriously than a city like, you know, Beijing or, you know, Tokyo or one of the major Asian cities that is renowned globally. But they probably, I don't know, it was maybe they viewed it more as a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I think when you take an event and see it in that light, you really do give it your absolute best. And I think that is something that has bowed boded well for not just Hangzhou but for the Asian Games as well so I think it was a very smart move to come to Hangzhou 
and to showcase um, that, like, like we've said in previous podcasts and interviews, that China is not just about Beijing or Shanghai. There are other really spectacular, scenically beautiful, modern cities all across China. And I think Hangzhou is a great example of that. And like you said, Yangguang, they really have set the bar very high for the next Asian Games and for many Asian Games to come. And I would agree, the opening ceremony was fantastic. There was some, re well, first of all, the atmosphere in the stadium was electric um, and the organizers put on an amazing show. And like you also mentioned, we saw some really amazing, innovative, technological, um, you know, si signs that uh, throughout the entire opening ceremony. And um, it really did... Uh, I would agree with that Singaporean runner. It did feel like the Olympics. It felt that's a testament to Hangzhou and the Asian Games is that it's on a par with the greatest sporting showcase in the world in the sense that it is hugely supported. It's a world-class event. And the host city for this event really put on an outstanding, outstanding show. And I think that is something that is going to be remembered for a long time. And Nick, you've been here for quite some time. You're obviously visiting from Thailand. I don't, have you been to China before? Uh, this is actually my third time here in China. I've okay. been to uh, Chaozhou, yeah, yeah, uh, Beijing, okay. and this is the third. This is the third time in China and first time in Hangzhou. Fantastic. And what do you think this Asian Games will be remembered for? With that in mind, considering the fact that you've been to China um, a few times before, but now you're here and experiencing a new city and just the spectacular, world-class, massive sporting event. You know, I have heard stories about uh, Shanghai, about how how it's become like future futuristic international mm. hub. But I never been there, so I only been to <laughs> Beijing and uh, Shaozhou, which is basically a more traditional city. I guess Shanghai's next on the list. Yeah, next on the <laughs> list. So coming here is like I'm experiencing first time of how the future city could look like, with all the international yes. language also on the on the sign on the road, and also all the technology on the traffic light. Mm. I must say, just to jump in there, that's also the sense because I'm very new to China. I've only been here for three months, and this is only the second city that I visited. And I think Hangzhou gives a great example of what modern China looks like. You know, there's brand new buildings, brand new infrastructure, there's technological advancements, but at the same time, there's also um, a really a respect and reverence for the history and culture of China. Do you get that sense in Hangzhou as well? Yeah, I think that's kind of perfect blend here. You know, mm. the, the ties, the, all the history of the Hangzhou actually blended into, you know, all the CGI, all the graphic, all the buildings also that I see around, around the city that represent the wave and all the change of the technological uh, advancement all, all, and also the history mm. of the city. You know, we went to Sihu and basically that like that scene that we see is basically represent on the medals also for the this competition. Right, right, right. So yeah, I've been happy so far with the city. I've seen a lot of technologies and uh, kind of envy of all the <laughs> <laughs> traffic in, in Hangzhou because, yeah. you know, we see the system that actually really efficient mm, and mm. i i didn't hear any diesel machine car mm. around so much I yeah. hear, like, it's quite eerily quiet yeah. around the roads because there's so many evs so yeah. when you're walking around like for when i first arrived in china it was quite unnerving to walk yeah. up and down the streets because you never know if there's a bike coming from behind you or a bus because everything is just so quiet which is great for the environment but as a pedestrian it's a little bit uh, unnerving yeah you just like look back oh there's a bike behind you. yeah <laughs> So that's always been an, that's been an interesting experience in China. But yeah, I think um, that seems to be something that's memorable about China or like their kind of their tag, something that they seem to implement in many cities is that, yes, we're moving forward. Yes, there's progress. And we really are trying to be on the forefront of technology, of being environmentally friendly. Um, but at the same time, there really is just um, 
a lot of respect and reverence and remembrance um, of where they have been and how it led to where they have come. And I think that's definitely been something that has been a key element of Hangzhou and the city in general, but also of this Asian Games. And I think just something that will be remembered as well is just, you know, the the welcoming nature of, of Hangzhou and all of the people involved in the Asian Games. I think that's also been something that I personally will remember for a very long time. You know, for example, the volunteers and just people around the streets. I mean, I've only had the opportunity to venture out from Asian Games facilities once or twice. And I guess, you know, being a, a, a Westerner or a European, I, I stand out in, in Hangzhou. You, it's, I'm quite easy to notice. But um, with that being said, when people do see me and they obviously know that I speak English and, you know, don't most likely don't know how to speak Chinese, a lot of people make the effort to come up to me and say, welcome, are you enjoying your time in Hangzhou? Welcome to China. The people have been incredibly um, welcoming and go out of their way to make foreigners in particular feel welcome because I think they know that this is potentially my first time in China or I guess if they assume that I'm a journalist you know visiting from another country that I might not be coming back to China for quite some time so they make the effort to make a really great first impression so that's definitely something that I will remember and just the the events as well I mean we'll get stuck into some of the performances but I mean man we've seen some really world-class performances we've seen some uh, tight competitions we've seen one or two surprise nations and athletes also creating a storm so it has been a really memorable games and i think when you know the games finally do come to an end they will be remembered for a variety um of reasons but um yang guang um i think there's been many game highlights to that we've enjoyed um you know we've seen some incredible individual and team performances we've seen some very exciting matches from your side what stands out um first of all i really enjoyed watching team china's men's 4 by 100 meter relay race. Mm, mm. That was one classic moment when China's last runner surpassed his opponent in France in the final 50 meters. Um, the whole crowd of 60,000 spectators <laughs> uh, of the Big Lotus Stadium was pumped. Yeah, and before it finished with their shouting, Jayo! <laughs> That's going to be something I remember for the games for a long time. I will never forget kids and adults shouting, Jayo! Jayo! <laughs> Yeah, but I have to say the most exciting match to me was the tennis men's singles mm. final. Oh, um, that was awesome. The Little Lotus Arena uh, was packed and the roof was closed. Um, mm. That was a rainy day. It really created a super exciting game atmosphere. And uh, finally to see China's Zhang Zhijian fight back from 4-1 down in the first set. Yeah, I was about to say he created an <laughs> exciting uh, atmosphere because he was performing so badly in that first set. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, he was definitely the favorite, but I think because he was down and then fought back, I think that's what created um, the re- the real excitement in that stadium. I wonder if he did it on purpose <laughs> to, <laughs> to create more buzz in the stadium. I'm sure he didn't, but man, I think because everyone was expecting to, him to win easily, myself included, um, when he was four down and, you know, the crowd and myself were just like, what is going on here? Is he really going to blow it on the on the biggest stage that he's ever been on? And then he really stepped up to the plate and, and really had to fight because his opponent was really keeping in that match for mm-hmm. for the entire for exactly. the entire match. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Any other events? Yeah. Another game highlight for me was in roller skating. Men's 3000 meter relay race. South Korea was leading the race towards oh. the finish line. They thought they already secured the gold medal mm. and started celebrating at the finish line. Mm. But mm. the last player of Chinese Taipei was able to stretch out his legs yeah. in the final <laughs> second and uh, touch oh. the finish line first. Chinese Taipei finally won 
by one hundredth of a second. Um, it was a dramatic. If race. anybody from South Korea is listening, I'm very sorry. Or if the athlete himself is listening, but man, like uh, great for Chinese Taipei, but man, that that chap must be feeling devastating. Oh, I wasn't even there. I didn't even see it, but my stomach hurts. I just, <laughs> that's terrible. Oh, Nick, how do you recover story. from that? Like, how how would you, if you were a, a psychologist or a psychiatrist, what would you say to this guy to? to bounce back from something like this because I, I'm lost for words. Yeah, I think you got to let that sink in. Oh. You just, you just got to feel all the feelings and then move on because oh. yeah. nothing can make you forget something like that. I yeah. don't think anything can. But unfortunately for him, it's not only cost him his goal, but also the military service oh, in Korea. Also. So it's cost him like two things. It's it, changed uh, his life, yeah. Yeah. essentially. And, life. and a couple of the, his teammates as well. But I think, honestly, I think he needs to change his name. I, no. think he, I, think, I think he needs to get on a 1am flight out of, out of China or South Korea and go to like the Bahamas and just forget that this whole event happened because I don't know how else you recover from something like this man it's just become like a new identity literally yeah, yeah. I think um, that's the only way to get over this but look I think you know as they say time heals all wounds so hopefully after a certain period of time he and team South Korea are able to recover from something that was truly horrific to watch. Was that was that all of your highlights or did you have a couple Actually, more? Actually, um, let's finish on a positive note. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, what no. I bring, what well, I bring no. is, is, more is actually uh, is a low light for Team China. Um, yeah, all right. Yeah, the Chinese basketball oh, men's God. team. Um, okay, I'm leaving. They are, lost. <laughs> <laughs> they are lost against the Philippines. Oh, so it was oh. definitely um, 20 shocking. points, right? 20, they had a 20-point lead? Yeah. Um, oh. They were Whoa. at one point um, leading 20 points mm. in that game. And um, in the fourth quarter, they just collapsed and uh, saw the Philippines win by one point mm. in the end. Mm. That's mm. basically the worst memory, I guess, for Chinese fans mm. at the Asian Games. It has to be. I don't know what happened there. But I mean, congratulations to Team Philippines because that is an incredible fight back. But yeah, to blow a 20-point lead in a sport like basketball, it really takes some doing. So hopefully we see an improved performance from them in future competitions. But um, yeah, that was, that was definitely um, one of the lowlights, I think, for Team China. Nick, any highlights for you for, you know, Thailand, from China? What stands out for you? Oh, for me, it's got to be the Taekwondo finals, uh, 49 kgs. Fun, funny story about Pani Park. Uh, she actually met the goalkeeper from Liverpool, Alison. Oh, right. In, when, when they were on tour in Thailand. Nice. And then... And he's huge, right? And he is huge. <laughs> so she placed a bottle of water on his head. No. And she knocked it off with her feet. That's wow. crazy. Because like, he must be like six foot five, six foot six. He he's, a, he's a monster. Monster. Yeah. He's tall. And Pani Park knocked a bottle off her. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to, when we finish this podcast, I want to see that video. Yeah. <laughs> I will show you later. Yeah. So basically, in the, in the finals, she has been like on, the, on her last, let's say last road to the... Paris 2024. She right. said she's going to retire after that. Okay, so this is like her final hurrah. Yeah, for her yeah. final mm. hurrah. So this is her last Asian game also. And she's aiming for the goal. And she got into the final with uh, Guo Jing. Mm -hmm. And then they won. They each won each first first round. Uh, she won first round. And, uh, the so it was tied throughout, right? And then on the last round in the beginning, the China athlete actually lead like 6-0. And then all of a sudden, something strange just happened because it's really weird. You mm. can see it in the highlight. The point just went from 6 to 23, like boom, 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 boom. The, the, the Thai competitor or the, uh, Chinese, the, competitor, Chinese, competitor, the Chinese competitor? The Chinese competitor. The point just went up from 6 to 23. The referee just had a meeting. And the, and the last part that actually struck us the most was her family just got in. Oh. Got into the stadium in that situation and then 
They it must have a, been losing their minds. Yeah, and it's a wonderful story too because they couldn't get in before. And then uh, all of a sudden, like Chinese local mm. give them 11 tickets for them to come in in that oh, moment fantastic. situation. Mm. And then they come in and then they start shouting like, Dennis was crying. And then they just shout like, family is here. Come on, then let's do this. <sighs> Forget everything. Forget you see what everything. I mean? How there's moments away from the actual events and the sport itself that will be... I mean, you'll remember yeah, yeah. that forever. Yeah, forever. Yeah. Even more than in the Olympics. I was there also mm. when HE went to go. And this is like top that also. <laughs> and then the referee just decided to bring the point back to 0-6. and six. And then Panipak just went on and then just turned on the beast mode, basically. Mm. Yeah. Like start killing Okwa attack. And <laughs> I'm sure that probably inspired... You know, sometimes it's weird in a couple of sports, in rugby, for example, as yeah. well, when the referee's calls either go against you or, you know, a couple of TMO decisions go against you. Yes, it's it's disheartening, but sometimes if, if you've got the right mindset, it can really inspire you. And it seems like that happened in this match. Yeah, so she just went all out, like went all attack, and then she won that round. Amazing. Mm. 12 to 9 and wow. clinched her second gold medal in the oh, Asian Games. Yeah. And then afterwards, she just said the most important elements was coming from hearing the voice of her family saying that they are there mm. and forget everything, just go all out. It must have really inspired mm. her. Yeah. Oh, that's so, amazing. Goosebumps, such an inspiring story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an incredible victory. How did the match officials react in that situation? Because I can imagine they also must have been freaking out because they're responsible for what's going on in terms of the point scoring. They came out with a new shield. Okay. You know, the shield that they scoring yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, And then they changed it So they had a backup. For, they had a backup okay. and they changed it for her. And, then, and I believe that it's probably they're saying because of the shield malfunction mm. that this situation happened with the 20, 23 points so they changed the shield and go back to the game right. so I guess they were prepared for something I'm sure they could never have expected something like this to happen but I guess they were as prepared as they possibly could be to deal with that situation I'm sure the Chinese athlete will probably say that it, it took away my momentum yep. because sometimes when you stop uh, competing for like you know 20-30 minutes and things are going your way all of a sudden, we, we see it in tennis often, right? When mm. something there's a medical break or something like that. Um, so I guess that probably affected the Chinese athlete as well. But it, but again, for, for um, you know your competitor from Thailand, what an amazing comeback! And yeah, I think that's going to be a story that's remembered for some time. Any other highlights for you that you've seen? For me, I like the swimming. Mm. I mm. went to the swimming competition. And I see Chinese athletes dominating yeah. the swimming pool. Like, oh my God. And they're so famous in China too. I mean, Zhang Yufei, I've seen her face all over Pangzhou, like yeah. advertising crisps <laughs> and milk. And she's all on over the, the place. On the billboard. She's everywhere, man. She's yeah. like a rock star here. Yeah. yeah. So I like that. I like that uh, when I watch in the pool, they're fast. Yeah, but I like the highlights when I watch the live broadcast on the television in the media room. They have like this line like, okay, this is the Asian game record. This is the <laughs> Asia record. This is the Olympic record. This yes, is the world record. I love watching that too. Yeah. And the Chinese swimmer are like chasing that line like close, close, close. <laughs> it sometimes it feels like they can see the line. Like they're actually, they're physically <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to keep their hands above Chase the line. That line. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it literally feels like they can see it themselves. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so <laughs> because it's so close often. Like, the, it, like sometimes it's just a fingertip that's touching the line. Yeah. yeah. It's like they're grabbing it already. Like, and then pulling them. <laughs> yeah. The or they, yeah, they're holding onto the line and the line's pulling them through the pool yeah sometimes it feels like that <laughs> so yeah that was amazing like i never seen like a swimming swimming competition like so dominating mm, mm, by, i must say and, yeah. and and we've spoken about this before as well i mean we've mentioned Zhang yufei and you know you can't go throughout those asian games without mentioning her and um look we knew going into these swimming competitions that china were the favorites and they've just been dominant for quite a few years now but they've also not had perfect circumstances in the pool with i mean we had a the opportunity to have a very brief chat with Zhang Yufei after her um, uh, heat round 
yeah. was it the 50 meters uh, freestyle freestyle mm. and she was n- not in a good way she was pale she and and she also had a what seemed like a throat infection but she still broke the games records right wow. so yeah. that's the thing like these chinese swimmers are incredibly talented but they're also very mentally strong which i think will also bode them well going into the olympics um but yeah they've been like you've said uh nick they've been dominant in in this asian games and uh, i think that's also going to be something that we remember for a while is that china just owns the swimming pool man they've been incredible yang guang we've also seen many delegations um at this asian games that have performed really well we've seen india thailand south korea japan china of course across various sports but there's also been certain delegations that have also been dominant in very specific sports i suppose but overall any delegations that have really impressed you uh well first of all as a chinese Mm. i must say um not biased at all (laughs) (laughs) team china did a fantastic job again at the asian games as always totally ruling the medal tally Mm. china is still unstoppable in some sports they have dominated like yeah (laughs) yeah like diving table tennis Meantime, I'm glad to see that um, Chinese athletes started to attend the sports the country wasn't good yes. at before or not even familiar with, like sepak takraw, mm. kabaddi. But I also saw some flaws um, in Team China's overall performance, like the men's basketball, mm. um, women's football. There are definitely rooms for China to improve in those sports. I guess the men's basketball, we weren't expecting much because they haven't really been performing well this year right i mean look losing by having a 20 point lead and then losing by one point i think is unforgivable i mean look like i've said you know all credit to to the philippines but to blow a 20 point lead i think is you have to look at team china's performance in that scenario but were we expecting much from them going into this competition i think china sent the strongest roster they can for this asian games and uh, they are the favorites to win the title Mm. Yeah, and um, there's a huge amount of basketball fans in China, right? Yeah. Yeah. And meantime, uh, not all the best players from other Asian countries came to mm. a- came to Hangzhou. True. Like the Philippines, they sent their maybe second team, Oof. reserve the team. Um, so it does not make it does yeah, not look good so for China. It's yeah. Very disappointing. But um, talking about um, another delegation that did quite well um, in Hangzhou, um, India yes. has established power already. Um, for me, India did quite well this time in Hangzhou. I mean, in some sports where India wasn't that great. In the um, past. Yeah, yeah, they have showcased. They can do well. Uh, in the table tennis women's doubles, India athletes triggered a massive upset by knocking out top Chinese paddlers, Chen Meng and uh, Wang Yidi. It was unthinkable in the past. Uh, we had never heard of Indian athletes doing well in table tennis. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess it's a, it was a major breakthrough for India. Uh, we also saw some competitive tennis players uh, from India. Yeah, yeah. India won the mixed, mixed doubles title. Um, their men's player, Smit Nagel, uh, left me some with some great impression. Yeah. Um, he's a tough player to, Smith who? to compete Nagal. with. Nagel. Just, just, to be, just to be sure, not Nadel, Nagel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought the umpire was calling Nadel. <laughs> yeah. It made me look twice. People will be like, Nadal's here. Yeah. <laughs> and also, India won several medals in athletics, um, men's 4 by 400 meter relay. Yeah, that's impressive. Men's, men's javelin throw, women's 5,000 meters, women's long jump, and the list is long. Mm. India won 69 medals in total, wow. including 15 gold medals in Jakarta 2018, mm-hmm. and this time in Hangzhou. They have won 86 medals. That's a massive so 20, leap. 21 of them gold. So this marks a great improvement for yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. 
Do you think they could potentially be a force to look out for in maybe 10 years' time at you know future Asian Games and maybe even at the Olympics? Definitely. I think India is on the rise. Yeah. Even next year in Paris at the Olympics, we can see some really breakthrough performances yeah, from yeah. India. And then from your side, Nick, are there any delegations that have really impressed you? For me, of course, it's going to be a lot of Thai athletes, like uh, boxing, you know? I was at the uh, 51 kilos men, and then we, uh, we, have, we sent an athlete called Tiresan Panmod. He actually went up in the finals against Hassan Boy from Uzbekistan. So that was a really great, great fight. And yeah. Hassan Boy was like the, one of the greatest in, in, that, in that weight class. And yeah, Tiresan gave a good fight. And then afterward, I, like, I, like, I enjoyed the interview the most because I asked him like, so you got the silver medal, how do you feel? He's like, like I'm all beat up like a mango now. <laughs> Say like the I love some of those uh, like immediate comments after a match. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. Sometimes the athletes say the funniest things. Yeah, and he's just like you know the the round before I I face a tough opponent. The round before that I also face a tough opponent, and this round I face a tough opponent. So now he's just destroyed. I'm just he he, he compare himself to a mango. He just like if, if I was a mango, I would just be on the floor right now. All I wouldn't bruised. be on the, all bruised up. Wouldn't, wouldn't be able to eat. I love them. Yeah. So yeah, he uh, the Thai the Thai. Uh, Delicate, he actually gave a really good performance in Taekwondo before with uh, Tennis Panipa. Of course, yeah. The volleyball team and also the uh, Bill Puripon Budasan, that 100 meters from uh, Prodigy from Thailand. Right, right, right. He <coughs> he broke the 100 meters record, a world record in under 18 before. Wow. Now it's not his record anymore, but he, he broke it like a few years ago. And now he actually got the silver medal just behind the Chinese athlete. How old is he now? 17. Wow. So, so do you think that he, he is someone that potentially, when he reaches his peak, could be competing for Asian Games gold medals and maybe Olympic gold medals? Yeah. I think do you think right he has that, that potential? Yeah, I think right now he could compete for the, for the gold medal at the Asian Games well, mm -hmm. at, at this level. But continuously, if he get the right development and the right coaching, mm. I believe that he could be compete in the Olympics and also... Yeah. The world athletics. And I think at the age of 17, you know, you could still potentially see growth spurts, you know, a lot of muscle development. So who knows what um, his potential is. But I think a lot of it will be down to genetics, I suppose. But then a, a lot of it will also come down to training and, you know, nutrition and that kind of thing. So I think he, he should definitely be someone to watch going into the future. Another thing about the Asian Games and any major sporting events, like we've already kind of touched on, um, like with the Taekwondo match, is that there's a lot of stories away from the actual competition that really captivate people's imaginations and you know gives them goosebumps and also creates memories that last with them for a lifetime. Yang Guang, have there been any human interest stories that have caught your attention during our time in Hangzhou? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, it must be the 84-year-old <laughs> Cambodian Xiangqiu Chinese chess player, yeah. Sok Tan story. Uh, it's very inspiring. Mm. Um, Xiangqiu has made a return to the Asian Games after a 13-year absence, um, this time in Hangzhou, and the this enables Sok, the 84-year-old, uh, to attend and become the oldest athlete Amazing. Um, at the Asian Games. Yes, Xiangqi is different from those um, athletic um, sports that are high in demand in athleticism. But, um, I mean, for an 84-year-old to play a Xiangqi match, which always lasts more than two or three hours yeah, yeah. and involves a lot of calculation. I can't concentrate for that long. I can barely yeah. keep it together for 25 minutes for this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'm already staring up into the sky. I'm looking at people walking around. Anyway, sorry, I'm back. Yeah, I'm focusing now. Yeah, a lot of concentration on the mindset. It's still too much to ask, and there's still a, a marvelous achievement. Even though Sok hasn't won a single match so far, he has earned respect from all the competitors already. I think his example proved once again that winning is not the only thing. Of course uh, not. 
that matters for the Asian Games, trying to push oneself to his or her limits through sports is a victory. You know, I think something that's also fantastic about somebody like that is that he can really inspire and teach future generations. And I think that's something that's going to... I suppose he will be returning to Cambodia after this competition, right? Yeah. So he can probably use that, um, that kind of moment and, you know, his five minutes of fame to grow the sport in his home country. So maybe, you know, he can go back and use um, the attention that he's gotten at the Asian Games to um, teach younger generations and keep that going in, you know, that sport growing in Cambodia, which is something we've seen from, and we've discussed in previous podcasts, where if a certain individual or a team does very well in a particular sport, yes, it's great that they perform well and have their own personal glory and whatever, but they also have the opportunity to take that sport to the next level in their country. And maybe we'll see that in uh, Cambodia with, uh, with uh, Chinese chess. From your side, Nick? I think it's the situation that happened in the swimming pool also. With their, uh, you know, there's, there's been an athlete that I've been following since the Olympic in 2020. Mm. She was the one that in the campaign promoting uh, moving from 20 to 21. Mm-hmm. Her name is called Rikako Ike. That swimmer that actually beat the leukemia. Where's she from? Uh, Japan. Mm. Okay. And so she she competed in the last Asian Games and she won six gold medal in the swimming. Wow. And she got uh, diagnosed with leukemia in 2019. Mm. And then 2020, it got moved one year. So she actually qualified and come back to compete at the Tokyo Olympics. Just after one year after her diagnosis? Yeah, just about two years. Like wow. She got diagnosed in 2019 and 2020. She actually come back and qualify for the 2021 Olympics. That's incredible. And then she come back to compete at this Asian game once again. You know, used to be the ex six medal w- winners from the last time. Mm. And one of the stories that stuck with me is actually how she forged her friendship in the competition with the Zhang Yufei. Zhang yeah, Yufei, yeah. yeah. The, the swimmer from China. And mm. then there's been the story of them come always encouragement to each other, like giving giving each other hope in, in the competition yeah. although they are dis, competing. Dis, I was about to say, despite <laughs> being competitors and from, diff- and from very um, competitive nations as well, Japan and China's rivalry is, runs deep. Yeah, and then afterward, after the competition and she won her first medal after the last Asian game, Rikako, she got like a bronze medal mm-hmm. in the swimming and then they actually come to face each other, each other and then uh, I think Zhang Yufei told Rikako not to cry and then and then she just like and then she saw everything and then start announcement and then she just start crying herself <laughs> and she say just start talking to each other like come on we're alive yeah. we're alive broadcast to everyone like now stop crying and then just start crying harder to each other and then yeah I think that's kind of story that is the meaning of sport exactly like, yeah. forge friendship to competition mm. and forge new friends basically I'm here because the Asian game I meet you Brandon and also on this podcast and everybody and also yeah all the volunteers all the uh, foreign journalists all the foreign athletes that I meet so yeah this is the meaning of the game basically absolutely I think I have to agree with that that of course we want to see the action we want to see gold medals and records being broken but I think something that people don't experience that aren't actually here is just the togetherness and you know the inclusivity that these games creates we see people from all over the continent sometimes all over the world getting together sharing experiences and we also discover that in this world where there's so much that divides us and you know there's so much conflict and whatever when all of these nations come together i think we realize that there's a lot more that brings us together and we have a lot more in common than than 
than what divides us. And I think that's also been something really special about these Asian games. And um, yeah, of course, like, like I've said, we've seen some incredible competitions and incredible moments and records being broken and gold medals being won. But I think there's also a lot of things away from the games in terms of friendship, togetherness, inclusivity that we will also remember for some time. And I hope that we continue to see that going forward into future Asian games, Olympics and just major um, global sporting events. But that is all we have time for on this week's episode of Sideline Story. Thank you so much for joining us. And of course, we will be back next week with our latest topic and we'll see you then. 